Welcome to Podcast on Fire on Operation Red Sea. And director Dante Lam goes to China, or rather Dante Lam goes to Morocco and proceeds to Pamela's for over two hours with guns, grenades and gore in the massive and massively popular Operation Red Sea from 2018. It's currently out on Blu-ray, DVD and digital from Cine Asia in the UK. And I'd like to thank them and Mike from the Warrior Agency for providing the screener for review. My name is Kenby and I'm flying solo tonight. It is November 1st, so you're gonna get this show faster than usual. Hopefully it'll be out around uh, the weekend. So uh, in reality, you're gonna get a double dose of Podcast on Fire Network shows as one other show is going up anyway. But regardless, as I always do when I sit here by myself talking to you, I do some pre-review chat and this time I asked for questions to be answered. So before the review of, of, of Operation Red Sea, there will be this informal Q&A session with myself. So I asked you lovely, lovely, fine, probably very handsome people out there on the interwebs, supporters of ours, to uh, provide some questions. Uh, and uh, no set theme in terms of ask only of the podcast, ask only of Hong Kong cinema, cinema because it's podcast on fire, but ask away and if I deem it uh, suitable for the show and if it's not too personal then uh, right on so thank you everybody for contributing uh, I think I got about seven or eight questions or questions or something like that but um, first of all some brief contact information this is podcast on fire the flagship show of the podcast on fire network that mainly reviews uh, Hong Kong cinema new and old but uh, we dip our Toes into recent Hong Kong cinema as well as mainland Chinese cinema, featuring at the top of it all as both action director and director, a a Hong Kong director. So um, that can be interesting. That is always a debate whether these Chinese movies, the mainland China movies, are if they're any good or not. But uh, we'll certainly get to that. It's not there's not as many discussion points in terms of propaganda at, at the very least versus something like. Wolf Warrior 2, which is still designed to be a silly action picture, but uh, Operation Red Sea, it's uh, mostly devoid of that. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of, ahead of myself. It's what we do here on the Podcast on Fire network and the flagship show called Podcast on Fire. We're located on podcastonfire.com and we have plenty of other shows for you, including bonus episodes and that are exclusive for the website. But we also talk of Japanese cinema, of Korean cinema, of sleazy cinema and what have you. So at the right hand side of the website, you can make a selection there. Hopefully, you, hopefully you'll find something that uh, that uh, interests uh, you. And if you are a first time listener, thank you very much for uh, taking a chance on this. Um, what is a very unusual venture, these uh, solo chats, but... Uh, as I often say, they are challenges towards myself because despite planning it all myself, it takes maybe more effort to do it myself because it's all on me rather than the back and forth, meaning I can, can unload some, um, some duties, some challenges onto co-hosts. So it's uh, all, um, you're, you're hearing a great challenge. I, I look at it as as a great challenge. So if you're listening in 
on the great challenge that is podcast on fire welcome and hope you like what you hear and hope you explore the back catalog if you have any questions or feedback uh, let us know podcast on fire at googlemail.com is our email but you can also join us over on social media there are handy buttons at the top of our website leading to uh, first of all facebook uh, the button leads to our page but you can also join the main discussion over in the discussion group and it's called funnily enough podcast on fire network i'll post uh, various things such as show updates and there are other contributions from you lovely uh, uh, readers and listeners uh, readers of our stuff on facebook and listeners uh, of the show uh, so thank you everybody for contributing and making it a fun place that uh, one doesn't need to moderate or anything like that we we don't have uh, trolls or um, flame wars or anything like that because um, i think you all understand and uh, i don't think there was any lack of understanding but, uh, but i ultimately think you all understand that uh, these are movies man and their um, and opinions uh, shouldn't be challenged as such. And uh, no one really acts uh, crappy towards each other in that group. So I'm very thankful for that as well. Making my job easier because God knows I'm um, keeping busy elsewhere. And I don't need to sit there for hours and hours and moderate. So uh, thank you everybody for making it a, a welcoming place. So for anyone that's a first-time listener who wants to join in on the discussion, comment on shows, chat with others, our group on Facebook, Podcast on Fire Network, is a safe place to be. Click the Twitter button to follow our Twitter feed, the iTunes button to reach our iTunes feed. And uh, if you uh, do follow podcasts over on uh, iTunes and Apple Podcasts, please cons- consider su- subscribing to us and um, leaving a star rating and even a written comment that would very much be appreciated uh, and uh, you can also stream us on stitcher radio and via various other pod catchers so the q a section of uh, this podcast on fire on operation red sea we're gonna have that before the actual review but um i don't know we, we used to do this as uh, Stu, when he was producing this i think he made it um a common segment on the show when we were still uh, doing the message forums so you know this is going back uh, a long while before at least we embraced social media so so we had like a Q&A section on the message forum i believe was to ask for um, for questions to be submitted to uh, to be show so we had like lost movies watched a Q&A and then a movie review or you know fun loose structure like that so I'm, I'm i'm bringing back one of Stu's ideas so it's not uh, original at all but um thank you everybody for uh, contributing these uh, questions and I, I took them seriously and i didn't uh, swat them away or anything uh, no no questions were too personal anyway so so first of all let's uh, get it going the q a so steve williams asks and this might be a jokey question or it's just me with my mind in the gutter but steve williams asks do you have a book and now my mind <laughs> goes to the Charlie Cho peeping scene in My Neighbors Are Phantoms, uh, which is not a Category 3 movie, but that peeping scene is uh, the stuff of legends. And uh, and a subtitle in the movie, uh, after he's been scared by a ghost, uh, he's all rattled in his, co- in his car, and he says to himself, and the subtitle goes something like, uh, you know, thank God I have book. And he puts his hand on his uh, porn stash in the in the front seat. So thank God he has a book in the front seat. Uh, um, so you gotta thank the Lord for that. But um, 
I'm going to answer this uh, seriously. I don't have a book. Uh, have ever thought of uh, writing one? I don't know. I'm a terrible writer. And that's the thing. I, I, I can write good enough reviews, but I wouldn't have been able to put together a book on on Hong Kong cinema and its uh, eras or a specific era. I don't know. I, I don't think I have that um, ability to craft that thread. But it wouldn't be out of the question, I suppose, although my reviews would need a major cleanup, uh, grammar-wise, and what have you. But I guess it wouldn't be out of the question to publish reviews within a book. Now, I know that might not be a hot seller or anything, but uh, the material is there. So that's not uh, impossible to do, I suppose. But uh, it, it, it isn't... Uh, on my radar as such uh, and you, you can flip that question do you have a book well i have a couple of books that i read you know i can read but i'm not only a terrible writer i'm a horrible reader too so i consume most uh, books um, as audiobooks i'm currently listening to stephen king's stand and it's uh, taken a while it, you know it's a doorstop of a book and uh, the audiobook is about 45 hours i'm about 20 20 or 25 hours in and, and it's a good listen. I, I really I, I get um, absorbed in that. While, while others feel they can't be absorbed in audiobooks because they're not crafting their own, they, they, they feel like someone else is crafting the voice for them and they'd like to get lost in the written work and that's absolutely fine and fascinating But because I get impatient when I sit down and try to read. Uh, but what, what I decided uh, not too long ago, because I'm, I'm, I'm a terrible writer and a horrible reader, is that, okay, if I'm going to read read something, if I'm going to read fiction or whatever, that isn't in audiobook form, uh, I'm going to set a goal of reading for 10 minutes, uh, you know, one night at a time. And that seems to work. You know, you get further. You know, uh, if 10 minutes gets you 10 pages further in the novel, then that's fine. And uh, that's how I read my Taiwan Noir co-host Todd Statman's book, Please Don't Be Waiting For Me, which I really, really liked. Uh, and currently I'm reading the uh, Art of Point and Click Adventure Games, which is essentially a coffee table book with uh, with pixel art. But you so you can flick through it that way and you don't need to read. But it has quite a bit of interviews as well and text and what have you. Uh, interviews with designers and being an avid fan of the graphic adventure game. That, that book makes me uh, very happy. Uh, I even played through with a fair amount of help uh, recently uh, one of the genre classics uh, Maniac uh, Mansion because uh, I thought the game was a bit, little bit uh, cryptic yeah. and recently I started the sequel to Maniac Mansion Day of the Tentacle so way to go Ken taking all the fun out of Steve's question or something but, but thank you for submitting the question Steve Dan Test or is it Testy uh, asks uh, when are you reviewing the raid one and two the thing is we both have restrictions on podcast on fire and yet we have not or should not because anything that excites action fans that takes off massively globally that really does deserve a spotlight and obviously the raid doesn't need my spotlight it's uh, done well for itself on its own and even if it's in this case um, an indonesian movie it is Indonesian, right? I think so. Damn it. Anyway, I think it is. I, I, I would be happy to finally sit down and watch them for, for work. And I, I simply have it because I I simply have it. I've kept busy doing other stuff, watching other stuff. 
and, and I think viewing at least the first one for, for work will allow my focus to be greater, I think. Yeah, even though it doesn't sound relaxing to view anything like that for work and not pl- pure pleasure. It, it really does become pleasure. You absorb it quite a bit more, in, in my opinion. At least that's that's my process, and that's my experience. And also Gareth's path as a director being from the UK is completely interesting obviously an inspiration on it i'm excited for the netflix movie that just came out apostle so consider this part of uh, the podcast plan dan it's uh, it's in the um, it's in the notes so i'm gonna get it uh, done and see who i should pair myself up with because i'm i don't know should one approach it with um should two newbie viewers watch it or should i pair myself up with someone who has seen it multiple times and maybe know a little bit more about the indonesian cinema you know know, do let us know how how you'd like that to be um structured i would very much uh, take on those suggestions because you made a suggestion dan and i thank you for it and i thank you for your question Uh, we're gonna jump a little bit back and forth here i think i'll do that question last because um yeah, I think I'll do that question last. Uh, so we'll jump to a uh, veteran listener and PUF historian, uh, Jay Lee. What is your favorite solo effort uh, that doesn't include the other two on the cast list of the three brothers, Jackie, Samo, and uh, Yumpu? And I am a guy who likes to attach to acting a lot of the time instead of action. Not that I dismiss action, obviously, but uh, acting gets me going and uh, nothing makes me happier and more proud than Samo's turn as his own Peking Opera master in Painted Faces. It's now finally available on DVD and Blu-ray and streaming on Netflix, at least in the UK. It's a Shaw Brothers production, but it never came out on VCD and DVD and Blu-ray in that... uh, year-long release schedule that Celestial had, which was a shame, Uh, you know, some of us had to be happy with, and I'm still happy with uh, the Laserdisc, I got a Swedish VHS, which was up until the Blu-ray, my preferred viewing option, because uh, the Laserdisc was not letterboxed, the VHS was, and it was good quality for VHS, and we got a Swedish release of it, which was very, very exciting, so my favorite Samo solo movie, Painted Faces. For Jackie, though, my favorite movie remains Dragon Lord, because it just strikes a fun balance between incredible, incredible stunt-filled entertainment, there's physicality rather than action, but the comedy is fun as well. Plus, Jackie and uh, Moss go the back-breaking route for the physical endurance test that is the finale of Dragon Lord. Not as uh, uh, much of an endurance test, I suppose, as the Young Master. Which could be argued to run too long, but I still like to watch that uh, his uh, bout with um, with uh, Wang In Sik in that one, and it's also Wang In Sik in Dragon Lord. It's just a fun, fun movie. It's a it's a, it's painful and exhausting. It looked like that to film, but it also is genuinely genuinely fun. Maybe not funny, but genuinely fun. And uh, I, I'm looking forward to rewatching it. I have a couple of editions, and I recently got the. Uh, Media Asia laser disc of it, and um, I really love those that line of laser discs because um, Media Asia really did uh, some of the best quality ones for Hong Kong movies. It came out somewhat late in the laser disc cycle, but still generated quality movies. I mean, the first one I bought was 
I mean, admittedly, it's a drama by Anne Hoy, Song of the Exile, but just great quality. Then got with Dead and the Deadly on Laserdisc. It's all letterboxed and subtitled, of course, but uh, looked um, it's about the sharpest those uh, pesky cinema prints uh, ever looked, and it's rather delightful. So I'm uh, looking forward to rewatching Dragon Lord on that uh, format. So that's my favorite Jackie movie. As for Yun Bu, I mean, he had a, a string of really good and notable lead roles in the 80s uh, for my money's worth ranging from the soccer comedy the champions obviously to writing wrongs but the uh, grim thriller which did not rely on his action persona exclusively uh, on the run remains in my opinion the strongest showcase of his acting and it's a gut punch that's up there with uh, the best of them so those are my picks maybe not surprising picks but my picks nonetheless so thank you jay Benjamin from Twitter asks, I know you've dabbled with reviewing anime in the past, but have you ever been tempted to delve a little deeper for the show? You know, all those 80s and 90s ultra-violent animes are just ripe for the Kennedy treatment. Also, what are the top five Hong Kong films you'd recommend for a newbie? I have thought of uh, doing more anime. Um, It's gonna happen soon, but I haven't mapped out what to focus on yet, because you can go the the hentai route you can go the um, ultra-violent route and uh, i know i spoke to joshua about it uh, a while back talking of the works or selected works of uh, gonagai creator of uh, violence jack uh, devil man is it i'm not sure that was him but uh, uh, he uh, he was uh, yeah, yeah i think it was now, now i think of it and then um, i'm getting lost in my answer but uh, i i have thought of it uh, right now we're we're gonna have to think of something i mean we're we're not we're not gonna cover the entirety of the fist of the north star tv series i'm watching it currently but it takes a long fucking time it's 150 episodes but the plans for now though is to conclude the hideo gosha series we have one episode still to go it's taking a little longer to um, uh, put together Uh, but uh I think anime is next in terms of uh, japan on fire Uh, you're not the first one to bring this up benjamin so that's motivation for me that there's uh, people out there who want to hear uh, our take on uh, whatever anime. So bring suggestions to the table, man, because um, I'm not too sure exactly what to pick first. If we're going to pick something that is um, compelling to a mass audience or going to pick something on the fringe like, like Urutsuki Doji, you know, hentai again, or, or projects are fun. Exploring is fun and uh, bring suggestions to the table and that's gonna spark inspiration for me so uh, let's have a dialogue about uh, how to craft japan on fire in the future as for your uh, top five hong kong films you'd recommend for a newbie i would try and hit the variety of genres so the killer for gunplay once upon a time in china for new wave kung fu Shaolin soccer for comedy an autumn's tale for romance and drama and a chinese ghost story for fantasy and uh, ghost and fantasy i think uh, those would be a nice start for me but i'm probably forgetting something else that you you just should park in the number one spot but um, uh, there it is Uh, um benjamin again asks uh, from twitter something else uh, with so many films from uh, years gone uh, years gone by getting uh, 4k restorations and top-notch blu-ray releases what title would you like to see get this treatment that hasn't yet it's a big question man and uh, it could be a big answer but i don't have a big answer but 
spontaneously using my gut feeling, I would like and hope the children's special effects movies from Taiwan would get a shiny upgrade like this if material is available. Uh, Film preservation and presentation in Taiwan for a variety of genres and not just drama is getting way better. So I hope the likes of The Child of Peach, Magic of Spell, Kung Fu Wonder Child, even Golden Queen's Commander, which is not a child's movie, but it's it's fun. I mean, shit, even Fantasy Mission Force is out on Blu-ray, speaking of the director of uh, Golden Queen's Commander. So there, there is hope, but I hope those would get this treatment because I think they... They matter. They're not just, you know, face-pissing movies without effort. They contain this sometimes unmatched energy that's so alluring. And uh, it's easy to get uh, giddy watching uh, the likes of Charlo Peach. I mean, I've got a DVD from a cinema print and it looks fine. but So, so I wouldn't uh, be depressed if I didn't get any upgrade from that. But uh, I would like to see if that could happen if they are looking for such materials at all and hope those materials exist. So thank you, Benjamin, for that uh, question. Michael Wong Gifs, the best Twitter account ever, asks, what is the secret of Michael Wong's success? Well, my answer to that, obviously, is uh, if you're on the airways of love, you're unstoppable. You become unstoppable. That's it. Well, the serious answer is uh, Michael is one heck of an entertaining actor. He's not afraid to ham it up and uh, swing for the fences in terms of his acting choices. And it's a swing and a miss sometimes. But I always got the impression he's aware. Uh, He's aware of his limitations. He's also willing to poke fun at himself. So that helps the likability factor. But yes, airways of love is the key to it all. So thank you, GIF maker Michael Wong. And uh, go visit Michael Wong GIFs on Twitter. It's um, daily joy, even if you revisit the, the GIFs that he's, uh, that he's made, including watching Michael Wong trying to play soccer unsuccessfully. Finally! Is it finally? I, I did him out of order, so let me just check here. Tick that one off, and that one off, and that one off, and um, that one off. So, finally, then uh, Jay Lee asks, um, in terms of the podcast and uh, how it's crafted so he asks uh, i'll get how it works technically but how about a quick rundown of your particular process uh, referring to how the podcast comes together do you skype with pic with picture does the guest hosts have mics and setups uh, too do you have any rituals yes sacrifice weekly sacrificial rituals weekly uh, I know what you mean. And how much time do you spend editing? Full disclosure, the other question is I prepare my answers in advance because I, I like to not uh, ramble on. But I think this one is... Um, I can riff a little bit more. I can improvise a little bit more because uh, this is what I do. This process is of crafting a podcast from idea, execution, release and so forth. It's... Uh, sort of embedded in my spine and uh, I I don't do it with my hands tied behind my back or in my sleep but uh, it's embedded in my spine because the steps are always the same really I mean you, you, you should really um, simplify it and just talk about a regular podcast on fire where we pick um, 
you know, random movies. You know, for instance, in one episode we paired up a Better Tomorrow Free and Anne Dimensioned on the Run. No, for no particular like thread or reason. I just picked those two. If I go through the questions first, do Skype with picture? Fuck no, because no one needs to see this. You know, the others I'm I'm sure would look lovely on on screen, but I've never even contemplated. Uh, uh, doing a video podcast not at all no, no one needs to see this uh, uh, so that's why i simply don't want to do that but th- does the guest hosts uh, have mics and setups too they do by now i mean i'm the slowest motherfucker on earth in terms of picking up um, uh, ways to improve the show and audio and so forth so for many many years we did these on a cheapo you know usb or pc headsets uh, right and uh, the audio was okay but it's it, w- it wasn't great and uh, i i rarely look back on those shows because i just can't stand how they how they sound it's obviously my fault uh, after i um started to investigate the, what upgrades are suitable in terms of podcast microphones uh, first of all i bought the uh, the blue snowball which is a neat little microphone, but I didn't like the sound of my voice on it. So I, I gave that away to Tom KW and uh, bought myself a Blue Yeti instead, which is what you're listening to right now. This is me on the Blue Yeti. It's sounding um, very much more sexy, of course, than the Blue Snowball did. No, but it, it had a fuller sound that I liked. So to save myself the headache of um, having varied audio... Uh, I did sort of force the others to invest in uh, at least blue snowballs because uh, all the others sound great on those. Tom KW sounds great on a blue snowball. Joshua does. Paul Quinn does. Phil G does. Uh, I mean, we, we should really get a sponsor deal out of blue by this point. But uh, it saves me the headache of trying to filter sound and things like that. And the truth be told, sometimes sound just does a number on recording anyway so you have to learn how to filter out uh, uh, pops and clicks and things like that so, so it's still a learning uh, learning process but um, the ritual is sort of the same i mean you you come up with the movies i start uh, to uh, pick my co-host uh, or hosts even a little bit more a little bit randomly you know if i pick tom for a show i'll check if the interest is there to chat about it uh, it normally is because my sales pitch uh, is always great <laughs> smooth talker then i so go to work yeah, ensuring that uh, there's viewing material available uh, most of the time i rip my own dvds and blu-rays and uh, send them off onto services where we can quickly exchange uh, sort of bite-sized files for for viewing purposes only you know if uh, if tom doesn't have the dvd of on the run I'll, I'll do a rip of it and send it his uh, way so we'll uh, drop box it to each other and things like that then you wait because the, the longest wait is is getting schedules to align and i'm not very pushy in terms of that i mean i'll ask uh, again using thomas as an example you know come back to me when you have uh, dates available and that may take a week or two or whatever because i'm not i, I don't hassle him and Granted, I'm busy with other things too because this podcast doesn't need to happen next week. So that it's always uh, I'm always planning ahead and uh, thinking it might happen in a, in a couple of weeks, for instance. So, 
and um, when it um, when it does, I mean, we don't have any rituals as such. Uh, Rob, it's about the working ethic and uh, habit, uh, making sure we we both do sufficient notes. I provide background notes if I feel it's something that the discussion could uh, benefit from. You know, it's uh, if a movie was successful, how much how much it made, how many awards it got, and uh, other trivia and tidbits uh, and uh, things like that. Then I guess we're up to recording. Recording is normally no biggie nowadays. Skype is uh, a solid platform. The internet usually is solid. Sometimes you need to work around it in editing when someone's signal goes a little bit wobbly and they turn robot-y, have a robot-like voice because of a bad connection. But uh, Skype was way more volatile back in the day and it's much more um, uh, stable nowadays. And in terms of editing, I mean... Granted, I'm probably a way too anal editor. I, I take out stuff that you should just leave in and let the discussion be um, free flowing and natural. You know, take I, I take out um as much as I can, and I'm sure that shows up in the final product. But so so I, I try to improve and try to let go of things. There's a little bit of my controlling nature, and uh, I guess some OCD plays into it and all. But editing. Uh, it takes a while. I mean, if I have a 90-minute raw recording to edit, uh, I usually try to sit down and do 10 minutes worth of editing and uh, each night. It, it doesn't become each night. If I have a movie to watch, then I usually don't edit because I need to put all my energy into watching the movie, making notes, providing my, my feeble uh, analytical sort of skills towards the movie. So it doesn't happen every night. I mean, the, uh, when I watched Operation Red Sea that night, I didn't edit. So it takes a, a fair amount of sessions just to get through that 90 minutes. I mean, that could take place over a week, I suppose. I never really logged my work, which could be interesting to do in terms of how long did it take from conception to finish the product. But um, in terms of the rituals of it all, you can interpret that as um, structure and habit too. You know, I've, I've been sort of saying bad things about myself. I'm a terrible writer. I'm a terrible reader. And all of that is true. But what I am good at is um, sticking to structure. Making sure things get done. It comes and stems from the fact that I believe in making to-do lists for yourself. And uh, sticking to that. And yes, sometimes some evenings you don't have time to do all of those things. But I try to craft sufficient to-do lists that aren't uh, impossible to uh, to clinch and that includes a little bit of editing most nights uh, when it comes to the weekends i probably do uh, like 30 minutes of show time in terms of editing and that probably means an hour's worth of work yeah. so i guess that's it um, I hope, hopefully i'm not forgetting anything jay but do feel free to ask because i'm i'm an open book in terms of how this comes together so this was the quick rundown that lasted uh, way too long i suppose but um thank you everybody for submitting these questions it was fun i'm i'm, I'm if, if this is something you'd like to hear then i'm happy to do it but i'm reliant on your contributions uh, but, but feel free everybody steve and ben and jay and uh, Dan, of course, to contribute uh, again, man. And of course, Michael Wong GIFs needs to contribute each and every time because it's the best Twitter account ever. So there it is. But uh, I'm going to take a, a break because I've been talking. I'm thirsty. I might take a nap.
and then come back and review Operation Red Sea. But uh, you're going to hear a musical break for 30, 30, not 30 minutes. I might need a 30 minute nap, but I'm going to let you hear music for 30 seconds. And then I'll be back to uh, discuss and review Operation Red Sea from uh, 2018 from Hong Kong director Dante Lam. So uh, thank you everybody for the questions. Hope you like the answers and uh, I'll be right back. And welcome back in the review for this episode is Operation Red Sea from 2018 and plot from Cinesia. Terrorists are plotting to obtain nuclear materials, uh, putting in the lives of hostages and citizens in jeopardy. Only one elite force team has the skills, knowledge and firepower to execute Operation Red Sea, a deadly and potentially suicidal mission to rescue the hostages and end the terrorist threat and it's set in uh, a fictional nation and I'm forgetting the name of the nation because it's like only mentioned once or twice and then it's all is that any good or not well we'll get to that in a minute uh, some minor background um, and minor observations uh, of my own uh, Dante Lamb the director and, and action director has gone through phases as a, as a filmmaker i.e. he's a versatile and not a one-note director, even though arguably you can connect him to action and thriller. But I also enjoy that he has a comedic and quirky multi-mood side to his filmography, such as in Option Zero, where mainly in Jang Hu, the triad zone, but seemed to find comfort directing thrillers uh, after the acclaim of Beast Stalker uh, many moons ago now. But uh, I, I do remember that was... Uh, worthy of praise uh, but also he believed uh, rather I believe he did uh, like an MMA drama or at least uh, fight boxing martial arts drama four years ago so called uh, Unbeatable starring Nick Chung that got good notices um, uh, but he did indeed transition to China making Operation uh, Mekong or Mekong in uh, 2016 and now Operation Red Sea this year and I haven't followed his work since Probably Beast Stalker. I always liked his voice, and uh, n- knowing also that this was not uncharted territory, putting together action. I, you know, I was curious about Red Sea, but I didn't know it was this big. It was shot on location in Morocco last year, employing several hundred Moroccans and Chinese in terms of the technical crew, and uh, it was reportedly based on a true event of sorts. Um, so, quote, it was based on the evacuation of Chinese citizens and foreign nationals from Yemen's capital and the southern port Aden during Yemen's civil war in late March 2015. So they, they used a skeleton of that to craft Operation Red Sea. And the movie did very well in China and it stayed in release for 11 weeks, making nearly 578 million US dollars, making it the second highest grossing movie ever in China, presumably trailing a few hundred behind Wolf Warrior 2. And it has enjoyed um, enjoyed a few awards. I'm not sure the big awards season has come yet, though, but regardless, it uh, got uh, 
the following awards. I picked some here and there at the Changchun Film Festival. It won Best Supporting Actress, going to Zhang Lucha, who plays Tong Li, the female squad uh, machine gunner. And it also won Best Cinematography. The 17th New York Asian Film Festival gave the Daniel A. Croft Award for Excellent in Excellence in Action Cinema to director Dante Lam. The 31st Tokyo International Film Festival gave the movie The Gold Crane for Best Feature Film. And it also recently won the Golden Oak Award for Best Film in New York at the TVM Film Festival with the motivation because it observes international security from a multi- multicultural perspective and shockingly depicts a group of truly courageous men determined to advance their faith and mission. It has also been selected as the Hong Kong entry for Best Foreign Language Film at the 91st Academy Awards. Whether it will be a nominee, remain, nominee remains to be seen, but being an action film I think reduces its chances, right, in that category. I mean, they, they, they did send Wolf Warrior 2. China did. I think anyway. And that didn't get nominated so uh, but um, that's what they picked and uh, heck why not uh, but um, we'll uh, we'll see what happens uh, and as for my short opinion it's a remarkably intense action picture from Dante Lam that may feel like a Chinese riff on Black Hawk Down but uh, it executes splendidly it keeps m- momentum up in the sometimes massively long battle scenes so it's a it's a rare effort where the sort of gloss of 2018 whether it's a Chinese or American picture got me tense and excited and giddy for loud noises and explosions so you know it might be a terrible uh, comparison I'm gonna make it anyway so Jerry Bruckheimer Michael Bay of the 90s and Tony Scott would be proud one thing that um, seems to be a a problem though and the movie doesn't have many problems at all is that are you gonna be able to identify and uh, feel like these characters are distinguishable because they're all in similar uniform uh, throughout the movie and all of that and Dante tries to alleviate that by having on-screen identification for these characters but will that help and will that matter I don't think it does I mean it it doesn't help either It it doesn't help and it doesn't matter because Dante does a rapid intro of all these characters or a lot of these characters and uh, so so you can't absorb very easily when it's just uh, that guy, that guy, her, and that guy, these commanders, these leaders, boom, next. So we, we let go of that. We're ultimately fine with viewing them as one character almost, you know, with several Chinese soldiers uh, taking on this mission and uh, all of this uh, carnage. Because this movie's bread and butter is action and action set pieces and major and majorly long once so uh you know granted it attempts uh basic character recognition and depth uh, later on in the movie not through on-screen prompts or anything because uh, we, we need to uh, feel sympathy when we lose some because ultimately what we are and uh, we need to care about uh, men going down but uh you, you know we we don't we don't emotionally attach to it but that doesn't mean we're watching the movie in a cold manner or anything because uh it almost also seems that Dante doesn't linger too much on the drama or the loss. So maybe if a decision was made that we shouldn't make this a character piece because we're already making a 140-minute movie here. Uh, we feel it though, the loss, because it's brutal. 
we care somewhat for the entire unit to succeed and all of that. So I, I found something to accept within that, and that reasoning was good enough for me. But otherwise, it can feel ham-fisted a little bit and very cliché and uh, almost a war movie trope, tropey as uh, some characters have doubts about uh, their skills and uh, then they get a, an encouraging speech from a fellow soldier, a fellow brother, and uh, then it's going to be good. But uh, Dante doesn't uh, doesn't do that uh, too much. One thing he does, but then sort of stops and only occasionally do it throughout the movie, are these uh, slow-mo shots uh, where uh, uh, snipers uh, take out their targets and we got these... 3D style slow-mo shots where we follow the bullet for a good half minute I think and then it hits its target we get CJ blood and it's a 3D showcase rather than the action scene and the uh, and, and the attack on, on the ship at the beginning of the movie that's a hostage situation that breaks up the tough loud and grossing attack that it is and it's a 3D showcase, and I don't know if this movie even was 3D, but it looks 3D in these sections. It's a choice I can't stand because these are showcase shots and they're boastful and uh, it feels like an obligation. But thankfully, Dante only does it like three times throughout the movie, and then you, it feels more engrossing and real and uh, grounded in in its own um, in its own way. So that's fine, and uh, it obviously showcases. Uh, uh, you know the hardware that the uh, that the movie can uh, movie can uh, provide, you know, the ships and the uh, weaponry and all of that, but also showcases that uh, there's uh, good tension here. Uh, Dante has this uh, uh, this opening scene down very well because they're they're chasing a pirate that's uh, about to breach uh, territorial water. So are they gonna catch that? person or not and he's uh, cranking tension very well that ticking clock scenario and uh, the, the actual dramatic piece here the dramatic aspect that's about uh, losing someone he, he does well enough i mean we we get slow motion you know running running towards a brother to see if he's, he's okay talking to the doctor but it doesn't feel um, like a production that tries and like uh, stumbles in the dark or anything it really feels like dante Knows his tropes and cliches, but still keeps the movie flowing and moving. And uh, those cliches and tropes are not uh, a threat uh, to the movie or anything. Uh, speaking of threats, uh, there's a subplot involving a threat against a journalist uh, and a car bomb that goes off. It is effectively real, so the movie does feel very physical. Uh, by the way, this features a cameo by Simon Yam, who gets to sit down entirely in his scene and talk uh, a few a few lines of mandarin and then he's done his thing so a special appearance by by simon yam and um, then we go back to the uh, the soldiers again on the ship and there, there's uh, a new sniper sent in that the group might not accept but they're gonna eventually again the cliches and tropes dante has no problem navigating that that sniper is a little bit cocky cocky at the beginning but eventually he will drop that and uh, the movie shows that these soldiers are impeccable as trained they launch us into set routines with efficiency but any army of soldiers would and you want to showcase that in a movie 
it seems like even though they're not in it that that much, but the, that the veterans have a gr- greater chance of standing out. But the movie really concerns the younger soldiers most of the time. But the veterans uh, that you see on the bridge, you know, the older commanders and what have you, you see um, a couple of actors that you might recognize. Mainly for me, it was Zhang Han Yu from Manhunt plays uh, one of the commanders, but he mostly stands there on the bridge and uh, looking dashing. But um, he would because he's a he's a handsome actor. But then we launch into the, to the street level chaos. We don't spend a lot of time on the boat and that uh, evacuation, that attempted evacuation feels very Black Hawk down in in feel initially, but not riffing on it and ripping it off or anything. It's a little, little bit too shaky here in terms of camera work, but Lamb really overall gives the movie a stable uh, impression. So it doesn't get lost in shaky camera. It's just these few initial uh, sections and there are a few that feels like mm, 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 calm that down calm that down and uh, get clarity uh, clarity going here because uh, we'd want to vi- we we like to v- witness this chaos it doesn't need to be uh, concealed by uh, by camera work and, and Dante is really good at building tension here the overhead shot of uh, the chaos uh, that seems small but obviously is big in the street is intriguing and it sets the stage and uh, that whole uh, vibe that m- mood of when when the soldiers set out you know in vehicles when they're running widescreen in the widescreen frame it's an art to make that pulse pounding i mean tony scott knew that michael bay of the 90s really knew that too and it can be thrilling that thing that's why i thought this had this uh, jerry bruckheimer production feel to it which might be totally ill-advised in terms of a critical view but uh, i really did get that and dante is trying to position himself in that tradition he has a driving score and he's good at intercutting between pyrotechnical chaos as they the jeeps and vehicles drive deeper into this chaos and it's an oral and visual balance that is exciting to watch and again that mentioned tony scott michael bay touch is is there and uh, piecing together each group with soldiers and the journalist and the hostage it looks like it's going to be hard to interpret and uh, understand who is where and what their motivation is. And sometimes it verges on that, but mostly an extended momentum takes over in terms of um, understanding that, but also the pace uh, and the extended action is there and clinched so well. So you don't think about it too hard. You, you understand what's going on here and what the motivation is i rarely thought it was confusing because it's a it's about moving and uh, momentum is important for experience and uh, really it's it's a simple plot anyway so dante goes for engaging our senses in terms of crafting a basic understanding but also our senses majorly in terms of uh, its big set pieces and its extended set pieces so we're not idly watching this at all and uh, and if you jump to an, an, an aspect such as the impact of gunfire, because it, it does have CJ blood, it needs to be said, but it that doesn't stick out as a sore thumb, you know, like a sore thumb or anything, because the impact of gunfire is really nicely done. Uh, uh, he, use, he probably uses wire pulls to get some of these effects through, but that weight is welcome, even if CJ blood isn't. And uh, and he continues to do well, Dante, cutting in between groups and the perspectives. And it's mostly easy to follow because, as I said, the drive is simple. You know, get out and take them down. And, you know, or take them down and get out there, whatever. We get view of uh, the snipers and their particular drama. And, and there's some really good beats here. One, one of the snipers needs to have someone 
it to keep him to keep him stable or navigate a little bit for him i don't know how these things work but uh, it, it's a job for two right and uh, they need to keep steady while being fired at they're forced to stay still as they aim and that's an excellent beat it's somewhere around the middle of the movie i, I pretty much uh, latched onto that as one of my favorite moments in the movie and again it's a it's a pretty extended stretch as they enter the streets and uh, I don't know, I never timed it. But I think it's you know, 10 or 15 minutes of just massive amount of ideas and all very compelling. He gets that drive through and we get excited and giddy and there's tension here, there's violence here and uh, there are images here that are going to be haunting for a young soldier. And that's a drama in itself. You know, that's uh, a person is shaky under pressure but uh, and he also will shed that. Uh, so that's welcome but dante doesn't focus on this being a, a character drama and stops the movie for uh, for melodrama it's actually very much devoid of melodrama i thought uh, uh, destruction remains impressively staged the mortar attack on the still vehicles in the desert it's a second major major action set piece is really well made it looks like a mix of uh, physical vehicles flipping but also um, added explosions as uh, a cg with added smoke and that, that looks okay uh, even though it looks slightly fake because the filmmaking timing of the physical is okay too so they do merge in a good good way and you realize when you're watching this big attack in the open that the street scene that i've been talking about was no fluke and dante lamb and crew really get the pulse and got the pulse and pace of action of this thing of this kind rather they got that down i mean and also the bright desert setting becomes infatuating we're not in these uh, slightly darker street settings but now we're out in the open open in the in in morocco and uh, it brings uh, a different vibe to the movie and the versatility to the set piece as this um, battlefield mood is uh, is very successful and uh, even though he doesn't have a slow-mo bullet thing as the sniper does his thing you know you get over that because so much else is going uh, is going right here and uh, it shows also that dante isn't there to phone it in for china bucks but uh, really is devoted to get the action beats of the movie going and clinch the feeling of this being an exhausting action experience but not in a negative way it's not too relentless either and it's so admirable how he keeps up pace and momentum of each set piece i mean that it really it invited me back this movie because i want to now be prepared for it in terms of being prepared for the fact that oh my god there there are big set pieces looming i didn't know that Uh, you know i didn't know much hype of the movie so uh, that was uh, wonderful to go in blank in that regard there's some complex uh, second hour plans by the soldier they're gonna do some some switching Uh, they're gonna infiltrate the terrorist camp and uh, a big old exposition scene has to do with uh, providing the audience the the geography in their minds so they know the setting before they go into the setting and that, that exposition dump is too quick to be understood but then we understand it once we're into the setting so kudos to Lam for not uh, setting up confusion and then ruining another big scene i me- mentioned that it's gory and it certainly goes for it in a couple of scenes there's a grim torture sh- scene that uh, where a person a villainous person sh- shoves his hand into this big wound he cuts open a wound and then shoves his hand into that so there, there's going to be distressing sights here and uh, those are not aided by cg or anything by computer imagery or anything but 
rather their um, its physical makeup and uh, reaction of actors, which was um, Black Hawk Down saving Private Ryan in style, but again, not uh, not riffing on it in a bad way. They're doing their own movie, and it feels fresh for well, fresh is maybe not the word, but uh, certainly it doesn't feel like oh my god, they copied it exactly from that movie or anything. But even though it's torture, Dante is good at commanding the quiet uh, and the wait and the tension in between the waiting. And then when something is up, you know, he starts spinning the wheels of the movie again for either a small event that's event that's coming in in terms of what we're going to experience or another set piece. And uh, what's the word? It's uh, you, you do become giddy, but it's very uh, easy to show infatuation towards the movie because I found myself tensing up, including when the snipers are in danger. And while you can't extract like extract like performances necessarily, but the various you know the characters screaming back and forth to each other during the action and the communication that goes on and the intensity that needs to be there that that is there in the performances really in, and it really does pummel you in terms of uh, how much they're screaming to each other but in a good way the actors are on and they're in tune and it, it becomes really quite remarkable and the action never turns too cartoony either and too light either when it involves effect it's not too floaty because just because it involves cgi at points because lamb mostly keeps it grounded and uh, well not realistic probably but it doesn't feel floaty or and fake and uh, and the longer the movie runs uh, the more it sort of uh, chooses to not ignore the gory horrors of uh, of war which is uh, through practical makeup and some of the aftermaths are just really disgusting and distressing so it, it's it's remarkably intense even in that area i was really impressed with this one i'm i'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, watching it again just to experience a big action movie that uh, I probably wish I'd seen on the big screen, to be honest, because it uh, it deserves to to be seen that way. And uh, I didn't think I was going to be able to feel what I feel watching an older Bruckheimer production, whether done by Tony Scott or, or Michael Bay, even though it was Ridley who did Black Hawk Down, as I've referenced. Operation Red Sea certainly did that for me. I mean, it might be, again, a very feeble way of comparing, but I'm, I'm doing it, and that's what I felt. Uh, but what I felt was also that this was just damn fun. And, uh, of course, it's there to promote duty and patriotism, but not in any extensive way. There's a few beats here and there touching upon that, but it's not flag-waving. And, and even if it is, it's not It's not something you've... Um, I don't think you're going to be annoyed by that. You've seen that in American movies, so it's not uh, It's not this uh, this school for, uh, this, for... It's not making you choose politics or anything. So... But again, I'm the worst person to talk about that, so that's why that sounded feeble. At any rate, I really liked Operation Red Sea. And as for availability, as mentioned, it's currently out on Blu-ray, DVD, and digital from Cine Asia in the UK. And I'd like to thank them and Mike again very much. Um, and Mike is from the Warrior Agency, and they provided the screener for review. And thank you again for that. It was um, it was my pleasure. So that's it. I hope you enjoyed this solo venture. We had a Q&A. We had a hopefully not too rambly movie review. I don't know. Sometimes when you like a movie, you want to say so much about it and you might not get it out in as coherent of a way that my notes felt quite coherent, but I might be rambling uh, being here alone. But I hope my enthusiasm for the movie came through. So go get it if you are interested. But we are going to sign off, or rather I'm going to sign off for all your Podcast on Fire Network needs. Go to podcastonfire.com 
all the show links uh, will be uh, will be available in the show post and um, I think that's all you need to know thank you very much for enduring this solo chat and uh, let's do it again sometime if you like it then I'll sit down maybe more often and uh, do some Q&A or talk about whatever I want in combination with something else in this case uh, it was uh, Operation Red Sea so thank you very much for listening and I've been Kennedy and um, this is me signing off bye bye